does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, it's a Wednesday. It's a hump day hanging out with you in the drivehubler.com studios. Wake Up Call, KB and Andy. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. Fellas, a busy, busy show. Stephen Holder going to join us at 8 o'clock. Alex Golden at 9 o'clock. What's the latest on Buddy Heald? But more importantly, what is the latest on Anthony Richardson? We'll have a little bit more data hopefully today will ar be out there practicing we shall find out in the next few hours kb a very happy morning to you good wednesday morning to you andy i can't recall if you were with us at the time but there was a time i don't know maybe several weeks ago probably more like a month or so ago that when Mark Dykton dialed up his morning checkdown highlights, he played a catching of a fly ball by a Chicago Cubs player. Oh, did he? Yeah, this might have been right before Nothing my time. Nothing like a huh. Tuesday or Wednesday night yeah. catching of a fly ball. Sure. Uh, on this Wednesday morning, I think Mark would love to play a catching right. of a fly ball by a Cubs. They call that right? shagging a fly ball, I believe, is what they call it in the pros, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that did not happen Three, last night. Oh, boy. In the air, out towards right center. Suzuki the call. No, no, no. No. Oh, my goodness. Two-run score. (laughs) Suzuki called off Bellinger. And just the miscommunication, or maybe he lost it in the lights. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm thinking maybe some lights at the end. The trajectory of that fly oh, the ball. Lights. That's what it's I'm going to see. The lights. Yeah. Yeah, it's, the, the, it's the lights. It's lights in Atlanta just extra oh, beaming last man. night. I'm, I'm sure you were. I love I love the exasperated uh, oh, home and no. Oh, no. The exasperated play-by-play, or the analyst, I guess. Well, I, I think <laughs> both of them were in unison. You know, when we had the Rick Venturi, oh, my. <laughs> or whatever it was when Jalen Hurts was running into the end zone. It was really just Rick there. So I, yeah. I knew that game was lost even when they're up 6 nothing. because uh, loyal listener Derek White, who's an avid Braves fan, oh, right. to me. he's like, well, you guys won this oh, game. I'm like, no, no, no. Good job, Derek. The Cubs Derek. bullpen is toast. Boy. I was like, I no lead is safe. I might, I might need to send Derek some lunch today or something <laughs> sure enough. for thanking him for that. Sure enough. He put the curse on you, drop. and he wanted to do that, too. Yeah. Anyone that says, oh, well, you have this one. You know, oh, you got this one. We'll get you next time. They're trying to put the reverse oh, yeah. curse on well, you. And guess who's going on the bump today for the Col- the Cubs? Tyon. Jamison Tyon. So that's a loss. <laughs> well, Your guy, go. Mark's guy with that. Oh, so man. We will certainly keep you abreast I'm of sure where we things will. stand from a uh, Major League playoff standpoint. I think <laughs> four of six in the NL, three of six in the AL so far clinched. Uh, and obviously that NL wild card continues to be pretty close. But yeah, a lot of, um, certainly a lot of Colts to get to today, but I think a good amount of Pacers as well. I was over there yesterday. Chad Buchanan, uh, their general manager, met the media. Again, they start their training camp on Tuesday. Tons of guys are back um, already, so they're playing five-on-five. Pretty much everybody you would expect already back in Indy. Um, So I thought there were some interesting comments uh, from yesterday with them. And I think publicly, Andy, you're going to hear 
the Pacers say a lot of big picture things and, you know, we're continuing this process, if you will, and, you know, we're not going to rush to any moves or anything like that. I think internally there's a little bit more optimism than they maybe want to give out publicly. Yeah, Buchanan was sandbagging a little bit. Well, you know, I'm not going to put wins on it. Well, I'm not going to tell you, know, this or that, or, you know, we're still looking towards the future. It's not all about this season. He was trying. He was trying. They think they are pretty good. They think they are very, very deep, and I would agree wholeheartedly with that. And they think that a lot of nights, that second unit, and again, understandably so, is going to kind of come into come into the game and assert themselves. And certainly injuries will always kind of play itself out to you know what's playing time look like and all of that. But um, I think a reason for optimism, as I've said before, should be pretty high with this Pacers team. And while they might not say it publicly with headlines, I think behind the scenes there is some uh, optimism as they get things started next week. Yeah, Stephen Holder going to join us. We're busy today. We'll obviously get you updated on the Colts. Alex Golden will join us in the 9 o'clock hour. We have tons of sound today. What did Shane Steichen say? On with Pat McAfee yesterday. We can dive into that. Jim Bob Cooter had an interesting uh, 25, 30 seconds on Anthony Richardson. And then today, KB uh, is kind of, I mean, this is going to be what we talk about tomorrow, is going to be what Anthony Richardson does or doesn't do uh, at practice. Is he there? Is he participating? And today is going to be that data point as we get ready. You know, it's a Wednesday. You leave Baltimore in the dust and now it's all about the Rams and now it's all about being three and one is that going to be with Richardson or is it going to be with Gardner Minshew yeah and I will toss in Ryan Kelly's name because the opponent this week is Aaron Donald sure so I think anytime you're facing I would say the greatest NFL player of my generation I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but when you're hmm. facing a guy like him, I, I thought Wesley French had some nice moments. There are also some moments that, you know, certainly you look back to Sunday and maybe it was more on the quarterback, maybe it was more on, you know, pocket awareness, however you want to describe it. Obviously, there are a lot of free rushers that Baltimore created. So Aaron Donald, probably a little bit more from a one on one matchup than anything Baltimore. Um, you know, is able to, you know, create from a defensive tackle standpoint. Do they line him up on, you know, Wesley French, if if he's in there, is it more of a Will Fries matchup? You know, that's something to watch. So Richardson and Kelly, obviously big, big days. Again, you need a no contact practice. You need a full contact practice. If they both are out there today, I would say that is a very, very good sign for them playing on I, Sunday. I mean, do you have a gut feeling on Anthony Richardson? I mean, everyone, yeah, I, I, I don't say Ste- practice. Yeah, I mean, Steichen keeps saying, you know, he's he's progressing nicely. That's what he told McAfee yesterday. That's basically, that's been what they have said ever since he, he, he you know, even last week when he was out with a concussion, uh, I mean today's a, today's a big day. I, I, I you know yet last week KB I was oh we're going to be talking about the Baltimore game through the eyes of Gardner Minshew right? I mean it felt that way especially when you got to Wednesday Thursday it's like okay you know that's going to be the case in the Colts it wasn't like it's a game time decision. I mean didn't it come out Friday or was it even Saturday? It wasn't like it was yeah, they a them out on Friday. Yeah, it wasn't something that was ridiculous. We knew that it was going to be Gardner Minshew. We felt that way the majority of the week, I guess I feel and I have felt stemming from everything last week and him being there, him traveling, him being engaged uh, in the game. Jim Bob Cooter talked about that yesterday in his media availability. I'm planning on this game being Anthony Richardson, right? I mean, that's how I view it. A lot still has to happen. Today's a big part of it, obviously. Yeah, that would be my gut feel as well. Um, Again, you you laid out some of the actions more than Steichen's just progressing well phrase that 
lead me to think that again things continue to move in a positive direction and, and you know it's not it doesn't happen very often Andy but there are times where guys get on the practice field with their concussion protocol and then they have a setback again it's not very fr- frequent but you know that is something just to point out of you know just because he practiced Wednesday doesn't mean it's a slam slam dunk but again I think that would be a pretty good sign. Uh, I would say the Colts continue to get some good news. We'll explain that a little bit later in regards to their opponent. Coming up on Sunday, it's kind of a crazy trend now that we've seen here each of these first four weeks, but again, Colts fans um, looking for optimism for Sunday. I'm a little surprised that the line is one and a half. Um, I guess that part of that probably has to do with maybe the Colts quarterback situation, but again, I think the Rams on a short week uh, with some, you know, particularly a key position group that looks like to be banged up. Um, I think the Colts should be favored in this one. And I'm also curious, this something to dive into a little bit later, Andy. Like, it is September 27th, but what will winning do to that locker room, to that franchise? Like, the Colts haven't won a whole lot lately. Um, I was actually texting with Mike Chappell during the show yesterday because it hit me as I was driving in. I was like, you know what? Well, I thought he didn't wake up in time know, to, to listen to us. That's what so, I've always been told. <laughs> I made sure to text, you know, hoping, Nine hoping, o'clock hour. hoping that Chap wouldn't have his, you know, cell phone ringer on, which now that I think about it, he, he frequently does. Uh, but luckily he waited a little bit and he texted me back and then he's like, okay, I'll look into that. Because um, I know Chap's mind kind of thinks in a, in a little bit of a similar way that of, of mine of these kind of historical So you're notes. like, you're young Chap then. Is that well, what we need to that start? Would be, is that what we need to start calling you? That young would be chap? one of the nicer compliments. But <laughs> so you gave him an assignment basically well i i was struggling to think how i could easily look this up plus we obviously have the show from seven right, to ten right so you're doing things i figured chap would find the note somewhat interesting and then <laughs> okay. maybe he could yeah maybe he could do my homework uh or or check my work is probably the better way to put it because it hit me yesterday as i was driving in wow the Colts are two and one mm-hmm. alone atop the afc south yes my mind thought i don't think they've been there since the middle of 2019 Okay, okay. That would be 5-2 and two start with Jacoby Brissett right after the Andrew Luck retirement. Right. And that's that was when I thought the last time happened, but I wasn't 100% sure. Sure enough, chap, checked the work and confirmed that that was the last time. So, Andy, if you think about that, you've got to go back 60-some weeks in the NFL. October 27th, the Colts beat the Denver Broncos 15-13. God, nothing screams. Jack Jacoby Do- Brissett J- start like Jack- 15-13. Jack Doyle led all receiving with 61 yards. God, I feel like my eyes were bleeding having to watch that game. <laughs> Marlon Mack, 76. Jacoby Brissett threw for a cool 202. Five and two Colts at that point. Sole possession of first in the AFC South. And that was 60-some weeks ago. And again, we're talking about the AFC South. So you can look at that two ways. One, it's a sign of just how awful you've been in an awful division over the last four-plus years. And in particular, you've gotten off to slow starts. Because obviously, right now, you've gotten off to a good start. And that's why you're leading the division after week three. And then I think you can look at it in the other light, Andy. Okay, the Colts for one week right now, they have... People have told them, hey, but you're in first place in the AFC South. Right. I mean, like, these guys look at standings even in week three. These guys aren't dumb. They see how... They've been praised. You know, yes. For, they, for the first time since. And again, right. how do you react to that? I think you can react positively. I think you can react negatively to that. But we just haven't seen this group 
um, have to deal with that. And again, I know it is September 27th and leading the division on November 27th or especially December 27th takes on a whole different meaning. But with four or five at home coming up and you look at the schedule and again, it doesn't look too, too daunting. Just how do they handle this? Can you ride the momentum? Can you take the positive vibes exiting Sunday of, hey, we made you know more plays late than a Baltimore team who's been there and done that. I'm really, really curious to see how they react to this. Listen, I, I am a firm believer, KB, in these sorts of things matter. Yes, every week in the NFL is week to week. It's why the Texans can be the worst team and then come back and go on the road and beat Jacksonville, right? Like, things happen in the NFL, but I believe a win on Sunday... Uh, is going to set the Colts fan base in a complete frenzy. Do you not feel that way? Because I feel that way. I mean, Tennessee's going to be in here after. By the way, Tennessee More because has it's Cincinnati. three in a row, less to do with the well, opponent. I, I mean, no. I, listen, who cares? I, I mean, I think, listen, college football is obsessed with how good your opponent is. That, that's what it's all about, right? Like, like you're a Notre Dame fan, right? Obviously, uh, KB is a Notre Dame fan. What's one of the reasons, like, you're kind of down? Well, you play Clemson at the end of the season. That's not a good win anymore. Right, Kevin? That's not a good win anymore. Beating Pittsburgh at the end of the season, that's not a good win. I'm worried about Duke. That's that's sort of on to Duke and then on to Louisville. That sort of thing... That, that that's not the way we talk in the NFL. It is a bottom line business, and sure, if you have a bunch of one-score games that have a lot of luck in them, I can absolutely understand why you say, well, that might not you know translate to the next season, but I think we are one win away over the Rams, and the Rams are a one-in-two football team uh, from having this town in a complete frenzy. What does winning do? Uh, you can look last year at a team like the New York Giants. You can look this year at at a team, and I know they lost. The Atlanta Falcons started out 2-0. and I mean, Washington started out 2-0. and Now, they came back to earth, but there were fans in attendance in Washington for a football game. Uh, what does winning do? It, it is... It creates a frenzy here, and I'm a firm believer that some of that stuff, the way you prep, the way your mindset is, all of those things are good things getting ready for a football game. And at some point, Andy, you obviously want the bullseye to be squarely on your back. Like, if you look at Vegas right now, even with the Colts leading the division, they still are not the AFC South favorite. I actually think Jacksonville and Tennessee are still both above them. So, for those thinking the Colts are going to win the division, uh, sprinkle some on that because you're going to get pretty good odds right now. Because if you go back to 2019, Andy, they started 5-2, and two, and then they finished 2-7. and seven. Right. So, uh, you I, know, again, uh, how you react to it, I, we just haven't seen this franchise have to deal with it in, in, in some time. And it's only 2-1. and one. So, you know, when you get to a 5-2, and two, that takes on even a grander feel to it all. But I think that is kind of another little element to, okay, 4-5 or five at home. You know, again, Derek Carr is iffy a few weeks down the road. You just beat probably the best quarterback on your schedule. You know, all of that, I think, kind of falls into this starting to churn a little bit in a different direction than certainly where we thought at the start of the year. Plenty of Colts conversation today. As Andy said, back to practice here around a little bit after noon today. We'll see about Zach Moss. I thought a heavy, heavy workload, clearly for him. Different times, he appeared to be banged up in that game. Any lingering effects from that? We did see the Colts work out another I'd say somewhat notable running back yesterday. That continues to be a trend for this team. 
Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. And a little bit of Pacers conversation. Again, Chad Buchanan, their general manager, spoke yesterday. The latest on Buddy Heald. Is there a third starter we can kind of write in pin or Sharpie into the starting lineup? We'll touch on that coming up as well. Good Wednesday morning to you. Again, some rain in the forecast here today in Indianapolis. It is the wake-up call of KB and Andy on 93.5, 107.5. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The fan. Yeah, yesterday I saw Mark Dighton put on Twitter, and Mark, I think you should do this. I think it's a good idea. It's good for your brand. You put the playlist, yep. the song playlist. I think yeah, that's a good that idea. For, doing that for a bit now. Yeah, okay. people have asked. It's a great idea. So I'm yeah, like, okay. It's a great idea. I just started paying attention to it yesterday for some odd reason. So, well, thank you. Uh, well, there, there, you, there you go. I missed it. Thanks basically, for paying attention. Basically, what I, I didn't pay attention for the first two months of the show is uh, is what you're finding out. I tuned out. you out after your Louisville yeah. comments yeah. yesterday. I tuned you out after all the Bears tweets. I, I don't know. Who oh, knows? yeah. Be, be <laughs> Beware on Beware. Sundays. Yeah, the 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 four letter words start flying on my Twitter <laughs> account fan, when the Bears play. Fantastic. Uh, Colts will continue getting you ready for the Colts and Rams back uh, in Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. Cannot wait for that. If uh, little man is home, we're not going to be home until next week. I may wander out there for a tailgate. We shall see what happens there. All right, let's talk more Colts as we get you ready for the weekend. We can look back as well. Obviously, the big win on Sunday in Baltimore. Stephen Holder joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. He's from ESPN.com. Stephen, a very happy morning. How are you? Good, sir. I'm doing well. How about you guys? Man, we are fantastic. Uh, Fully in the the midst of the NFL season, so that's always fun. I guess, you know, the Colts 2-1. There's so much to break down. What has been the biggest surprise for you in three weeks of this season? So, I, I wouldn't say the defense is necessarily a surprise in general, but I think they are, they are, I guess the surprise for me is that they are playing at a level that I thought they would be kind of average to maybe a, a little above average. They're showing some elite potential, like potential. I'm not calling them elite, but I would say one surprise has been the pass rush has been actually pretty good. I didn't have much faith in it, but it's actually been pretty good. I mean, I think if you look at the game Lamar Jackson had, for example, that was the front seven that did that to him. And certainly the coverage was good at times as well, but, but the the front seven really made his life miserable in that game. And Lamar Jackson had a long day, frankly. And so that, to me, I think is what's getting it done. If you look at the offensive numbers, they're not that impressive, and they shouldn't be. They've only had Anthony Richardson for five quarters, so that's not a knock. I'm just saying – They've, they've overcome that. I mean, for the for the past, what, seven out of the last eight quarters, basically, they haven't had Anthony Richardson, and, and they won both of those games. So I think that's a credit to the defense. And if that continues, I don't see why they can't be in just about every mm-hmm. game. Yeah, I would agree with you. And then, Stephen, as just a quick follow-up, uh, last week, I know we asked you, and you probably fielded many questions, where the hell's Juju Brents? Well, Juju Brents, well, uh, he gets in the game and immediately makes an impact, making probably the biggest or one of the biggest plays of the game with the strip of Kenyon Drake. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to DeForest Buckner in the locker room after the game, and unprompted, he cited that play as the play that that got the team. Because I think, if you recall, the the Ravens, if I remember correctly, the Ravens had scored on their first drive. They were driving again. It was kind of like, all right, I I don't know where this is going. If they go in and score here, this game might be over. And and that kind of gave him a spark when he got that ball out. And I, I think I have to agree with that, with DeForest Buckner's characterization of that. So that was, I think, right on time, the uh, the contributions of Juju Brents, because, you know, we had talked a lot about cornerbacks throughout the offseason and, and about the fact that the Colts, they did draft corners, certainly, but we hadn't seen anything from them, and they had lost a lot of – veteran snaps at that position and I just wasn't very optimistic about it whatsoever now it's just one game but that was certainly a huge step in the right direction Stephen Holder is with us here from ESPN.com and Stephen last year the Colts had quite the marquee win in week three Uh, they beat Kansas City at home obviously you look at Sunday I think that would classify as a marquee win going on the road beating an MVP quarterback etc etc but I feel like there should be more optimism for Colts fans exiting week three this year than last year and by that I kind of go off of just look at the entire 12 quarters. If you look at last season, you know, you had been shut out in Jacksonville, really fortunate to get a tie in Houston. This year, yeah. you easily could have beat Jacksonville, and then certainly you were pretty dominant with Houston. So, it's September 27th. I'm not saying all of a sudden I'm going to take my win prediction and think, oh my gosh, now it's 10 or 11. But I do think just exiting week three marquee victories each of the last two years, I feel like Colts fans should have some more optimism. How do you kind of feel uh, based off this week three exit versus last year? No, I I think they're playing better. There's no question. And I think if you look at last year, and I I just talked about the you know the the offensive numbers being a little a little sluggish and so forth, particularly on Sunday. But that's okay. I mean, I think with the backup quarterback, I think that's fine. But even so, and you look at it in its totality, I think they were kind of having to overcome some things to to get to that point last season. You know, after that week three win. Uh, I mean, what were they? I guess they were one, one, and one, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So, and Kansas um, City yep. gifted them a lot, a lot of big I was plays about in that to game. Say, yeah. <laughs> granted, I was about to say that. Like, they had no business winning the Kansas City game. Now, you have to make your own luck. Sure. You get those opportunities, of course, and they did, and they don't. They get credit for that. But, but I do think, yes, this was different. Uh, we saw numerous game-changing plays against Baltimore, and I think you're seeing a superior individual effort than you saw last year. It, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I have seen a lot of tweets about, you know, this team is performing differently than it did under Frank Reich. And I think, yeah, that's true right now. And here's the thing. Coaches can give a team a spark. And, and I'm not saying it's all due to Shane Steichen. But, but new coaches can provide that if, if they have the right approach and they tap into something. He has definitely tapped into something. And I, I said this to someone earlier. I, if you think about 2018, you know, the way that team – it happened later in the season, certainly, because they started 1-5 and five with all those injuries. But in Frank Reich's first season, if you recall, you know, when they started to kind of buy in, wow, right? I mean, they won, what was it, 9 out of 10? And, and I'm not saying we're anywhere in that, in that category right now. They have a long way to go. We don't know what they are. 
but they they have a belief. And I think that matters a lot. You know, that can take you a long way. They weren't supposed to be good. Okay, they were not supposed to be any good. <laughs> and I don't I still don't know if they're good. But they think they are and, and there are reasons to believe they could be. So I don't know. This could be a fun season and I, I thought it always would be interesting if nothing else. And I think we we will get that at minimum. A gut feel on Anthony Richardson practicing today? I feel like he'll be out there. I really do. I'm, I thought that there was a chance he could have practiced last week at the end of the week, and they just decided not to push it from all indications. So I would be – and I, I said that on the show last week, so I want to go back to that because I, I kind of suggested that, you know, I, I think there's a chance he could be out here. You know, I think when we talked last Wednesday, that's still true. I still believe that was the fact. Uh, but I, I think there was an organizational decision made, and I think most people kind of recognize this. They decided not to push it, and it, it turned out to be the right decision. Now, as for today, uh, yeah, I, I would be relatively surprised if he's not practicing today, but we'll see. Stephen Holder with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline on the fan on a Wednesday. Stephen, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question or just kind of throw this narrative to you. So we've been talking the last couple days of, you know, everything and even preseason, everything that mattered was not centered around wins and losses. And you know that it was centered around the development, the maturation of Anthony Richardson. And so since he's been out essentially a game and a half, you know, Minshew comes in, does what he does uh, in Houston. They get the win in Baltimore. And so, you know, Minshew, even the offense, as you mentioned, has been sluggish. Minshew's getting a lot of love, right? Now, I'm sure there's a, a center, you know, a segment of the fan base that's, you know, keep playing Minshew a little bit. You know, he's valuable and everything else. And I, I still think AR matters and his maturation matters. And now, Stephen, they kind of, they have to, you know, marry the two. They have to marry that, hey, we can win games, defense, whatever it may be. We can win games and the maturation of Anthony Richardson at the same time. And that's not what we thought this season was going to be about how do you think they do that yeah i get what you're saying because i I think going into the season and tell me if i'm mischaracterizing what you're saying but i think going into the season myself and most people thought all right the the win total is probably not the most important thing this year right it was about developing the quarterback yep and, and and honestly i will tell you the vibes that i got from talking to people in this organization was they didn't think they were good okay let me tell you i'm being completely honest here the vibe I got from the top down was like, well, you know, the season kind of is what it is. <laughs> and, and honestly, if you look at the way they approached the season, there's no other conclusion you can make. <laughs> okay, They didn't make any effort to, to really do a whole lot from a transactional standpoint. So, I, I mean, certainly they, they went with their rookies and, and they did draft a big class of rookies. But, I mean, other than that, they didn't do anything to really change the roster from the four-win team last year outside of Anthony Richardson for the most part. So I think there was almost like a, this resignation, like, well, you know, we might suck. <laughs> and so, <laughs> exactly, and yeah. Now, here, they, yeah. here they are. I don't know if, if, they're, if they're something different than that. Maybe, maybe they don't suck, right? And, and so, but you're right. There is now this, this sort of line that they have to walk. All right, we're 2-1. we got this rookie quarterback. He's going to screw up at times. But I also think there's a balance to that, and the balance is – Having Anthony Richardson out there, I think that puts Shane Steichen in the driver's seat, though. It really does from a, from a play-calling and, and offensive standpoint. It puts him where he wants to be, and you saw it in the first half against Houston. 
I mean, he had Houston on the teals. And I'm not saying he should go out there and run the ball every other snap. That's certainly not the way to go. But but they have something. They they know that they have a card to play when he's out there. And even though he'll have some bad plays, I think the net result could be a positive with him out there. So there's there's no there's certainly no discussion to be had at quarterback. But I also think beyond that, I think you can still be you can continue to be really competitive with him out there because of the advantages that Anthony Richardson provides. Stephen, I want to stay on Richardson for for one more, if you don't mind. Again, Stephen Holder's with us from ESPN. You know, I I feel like we haven't seen him for what seven quarters. Um, he's played five. You know, I, I guess I I'm kind of back in the mode of like, man, I'm really curious to see what he looks like again. <laughs> and I know that kind of sounds weird, but it's like this it's was a such a huge element to the season. And we saw him. There was a lot of good to see in five quarters. He also suffered three different injuries in five quarters. Yeah. So I guess from like a playing style standpoint, do we see some shots down the field? We really didn't see that out of him at all in those first you know five quarters of of action. I I, f- I feel like I'm back kind of in that curiosity mode. And, and there's a couple of different things that have now been added to it. Probably more from a playing style standpoint. You know, what does he do in the open field? Those sorts of things. Uh, anything in particular? particular you're curious to see if and when he's out there on Sunday well I think the shots down the field have to happen there's no doubt about it you cannot continue to play this way and continue to win you have to have big plays in the NFL so I'm not taking away any credit okay let's let me be clear but you can't go out there and what was their average per play it was it was under four yards of play I mean you, you can't go out there and have a passing game that is I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, Kevin, but I think I think the yards per attempt on Sunday was was under four yards, if I'm not mistaken. It was or, yards or per drop five. back was under four because you had the sacks yeah, involved there, there. Yards per attempt was pretty poor though as well. Yeah, that that is not sustainable in the 2023 version of the NFL. So let's be clear about that. Now their defense helped them overcome that, and and the other thing I would say, like, I I don't want to, I don't want to act like I'm killing Gardner Minshew here. I, I really don't want to do that because here's what he didn't do: he didn't make plays that lost them the game. And honestly, that's where the bar is for a backup quarterback: is just don't screw it up, buddy. <laughs> and he didn't, and actually made some plays when he needed to that that helped them win the game. So he did more than enough. And I think when you have that the expectations that you have for a backup quarterback, I think he exceeded those, and, and that's good. Now, to the original question, you know, what what more they they have to get down the field, and that's why I think that leads us to Jonathan Taylor a little bit because look, he's eligible to be activated as of this coming Monday. I have no idea when when that will happen and how this will work, but but if he if he ends up playing running back for the Colts this year, which I think has become more likely. He gives them that big play element, and I think they have to have it. I, I think certainly Zach Moss has done a great job, but the, the combination of those two, I think, could be really helpful for the Colts to have that that bruiser and Zach Moss who gets you the tough yards. Not that Jonathan Taylor can't, but they also come back with Jonathan Taylor and his ability to to be explosive and and to get to the second level and make the most out of those opportunities. That is, I think, something that could really take the Colts to another level. 
Stephen Holder with us from ESPN talking Colts, obviously getting ready for the Rams on Sunday. Just as a follow-up, Stephen, because that's what I was going to ask you next. Jonathan Taylor, I, I don't know if it was Steichen just, you know, being in a press conference. He did mention, I think, on Monday, well, in a couple weeks, right? Which makes us think maybe it's going to be a few weeks uh, and not just, hey, Taylor's going to be out and we'll see him getting carries against the Titans in a, in a week and a half or so. What's your read of, of the situation there? I guess, what's the possibility this could get ugly here again in the next you know 10 days or so well i'll start by saying i don't take a lot away from steichen's comment i think he was just kind of talking in terms of like an expression like on a couple weeks you know in other words like they have another game to go in in the coach's mind it's like oh that's like that's like next year (laughs) you know what i mean so so i think i don't know if that makes sense but I, i don't take anything away from that i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily try to read into that comment too much so we'll see now my understanding as far as i can tell jonathan taylor is at a point where it i think he can practice i think he's ready to practice from from every indication or at least very very close so if that's the case then it becomes a a question for the colts i mean do they think that he will cooperate and get out there and practice if they activate him uh does does he see other options for himself at this point. I, I don't think that if you look at the trade landscape, that has certainly not worked in his favor um, the last couple of weeks. You know, certainly the Miami Dolphins were the biggest uh, potential suitor. There's no doubt about that. And yeah. I don't know. They scored the 70 Miami points. Dolphins, 70 yeah, points. The Miami <laughs> Dolphins are, need a lot of offensive yeah. punch right now. <laughs> I think they're okay. So and look, shout out to Mike McDaniel who is you know turning those two running backs into apparently you know fire and ice down there. I don't know what what's going on there, but he his running schemes are unbelievable apparently. So anyway, what I'm saying is Jonathan Taylor, if he wants to be in position to get the contract he wants in the spring, uh, he may reach a realization that he probably needs to play sooner than later. Uh, to demonstrate what he is and to maximize his opportunity, so I, I think we have. I think it has become much more likely that that's the outcome. I don't. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know where his head is, but I, I also don't know what the options are for him at this point. And, and frankly, for the Colts, I, I, I don't know if they're willing to do anything to smooth this over. But uh, but certainly, if they, if he's willing to get out there, I think you activate him and you put him out there because. They, they really have an opportunity to, to really at least you know have a little juice to their offense. So, you know, I just want to make sure that we, that we have this right. So Monday kickstarts a 21-day window, correct, in which Taylor could be activated to the 53-man roster at any point. He's eligible to practice for 21 days. Right. And then at the end of that 21 days, again, you can activate him at any point, but at the end of three weeks, either you have to bring him up or he stays on pup for the rest of the year, correct? That's correct. So, so that's the key. Like it's a it's a roster exemption. So if he so starting say, Monday, example, he has he has right. a roster exemption. Right. So let's just say for just for the record, let's just say he practices a week from now. Just just for argument's sake, no, it's not a prediction. If he practices a week from now, it doesn't mean that he plays in the next game. It just means that he can practice, and then when they decide he's ready, then you activate him, and he, you can put him on the fifty-three man roster. But they can do that at any point. But he does have the luxury of practicing for up to three weeks before being activated. So there's a two-step process. Uh, but it's it's going to be you know pretty interesting to see how they handle this. Um, you know, I, I think Chris Ballard's hope. This is just me talking, but I, I think his hope 
is that you know the last four weeks have maybe given given the size an opportunity for cooler heads to prevail. You know, I don't know that that anything's going to change contractually or anything like that. I certainly don't expect it, but but maybe just time can maybe you know kind of smooth things over at least a little bit, and and everyone just kind of look out for their best their own best interest at that point, and and then we'll deal with the eventualities later on. There's got to be an element of Taylor of being like, wait, Zach Moss is doing that? You know, that that could be pretty enticing yeah, to him. The team's 2-1. and one. If he's trying yeah. to improve yeah. whatever, you know, trade stock there might be out there before the deadline. Uh, in a little over a month, Halloween, October 31st for the NFL trade deadline. Stephen Holder, ESPN, with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, thank you, and uh, we'll see you up at Colts practice here in a bit. Okay, guys. See you soon. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Essentially, we got uh, we to dive back in for KB. Lou Holtz firing back at Ryan Day. I, I can't get enough of this The story controversy line. that nobody really wanted or knew was going Who to does happen. Ohio State have this week? <laughs> I need to look that up. Oh, do, do, they, have they, like have? A, do they have like a low end? Uh, let's see. Do they have like a low end? Is this Big a good Rutgers team? week for Ohio State? Is it Rutgers week? They got to get. It is. Uh, they have an off week. Off week. Oh, that's yeah. not fun. And then, and then they well, have then, Maryland. You know, you know what Ryan Day is saying on the off week? You know, like I like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. <laughs> He'll have a lot of time. Do you think him and Lou are going to play 18 holes? Out. You know, kind of mend their relationship? Well, what I Can was Lou getting Pitt at is. play 18 holes at this point? You said Maryland after that, Mark? Uh, Maryland yeah. needs to have screaming Lou Holtz on the Jumbotron for every third down of their game with Ohio State. I mean, you have to lean into it. And then at Purdue, one of them, come on, Purdue. Oh, come, come on, Purdue. Purdue. Come Purdue, on, Boiler the, Bill. The only thing that'll get you to win a, a home game this year <laughs> is Lou Holtz on the Jumbotron. Uh, it can't hurt, given that you've lost every other game uh, at home thus far. Uh, let's talk some NBA. Let's talk some Pacers. We'll continue that conversation. Alex Golden joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Setting the Pace podcast. Also, check him out on Twitter today at Alex Golden MBA. Alex, good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, good morning, Andy. How you doing? Uh, we are doing fantastic. I, I guess let's start here. Uh, the Buddy Healed conversation, uh, the Pacers saying all the right things. I said last hour, it seems like everyone's talking about the contract situation with a smile, unlike what's happening with the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. What do you make of the Buddy Healed conversation, him coming off the bench, a contract extension, and you know that's probably going to loom here over the next couple months. What do you make of it all? Yeah, I think that everything Chad Buchanan said yesterday in his conversation with the media was, you know, spot on in terms of trying not to give too much. I think that this whole Buddy Hill thing, it's been kind of a question mark since he even got dealt here a few years ago. Is he going to stay or is he going to go? And I think everybody knows that he's probably not the long-term answer, but he does provide shooting that this team desperately needs, and I do think that he will fit in perfectly fine because he's done that the last couple of years. So. I think that there's not going to be any distractions with Buddy Hield if he is on the roster and there are, you know, conversations about him being moved. But in terms of a contract, I think the Pacers are trying to keep their options open for the summer. And to me, I don't know if they're going to come to an agreement with Buddy Hield before the trade deadline. So I think it's something to keep an eye on. But there was no commitment one way or the other. I guess Chad did say there's no intention of trading him, but at the same time, he did say we're listening to phone calls if there is an opportunity to deal him. So I think that at this point, him coming off the bench, it's it's 
still not determined if he will or not, but if he does come off the bench, I think that he could be, you know, a candidate for a sixth man of the year because he has that ability to put the ball in the basket and provide for a team that I think is going to be better than people are expecting. So I, I think Buddy Hill is in a good spot regardless of what happens with his contract, and um, the Pacers just got to play this one out, and I think just be patient with it. Uh, Alex, great seeing you yesterday. Again, Alex Golden from Setting the Pace is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. One more on the buddy front from me. What do you think realistically would look like a trade situation for him? Are you thinking first round pick? Are you well, like because my, my only concern is I don't see a ready made buddy replacement on this roster. Like Ben Shepard does not qualify as that for me. Yeah, I mean, that's the point. I, I I think that if you look at Buddy Hill, the Pacers would probably like a first-round pick. And the closer they wait to the deadline, I actually think that, that there's a more of a chance they could get that if there's a team that fills their, their close and they're a Buddy Hill away from maybe making a deep playoff run. They just need some more outside shooting. So the Pacers could just be very patient and wait till then. But I, I just don't really think there's great value for an expiring Buddy Heald in terms of what teams would be willing to give up, knowing that he could walk in free agency, and he's 31 years old. So Buddy Heald, to me, I think this is where the Pacers are trying to kind of just be patient and potentially even involve him in a bigger trade if that opportunity presents itself this this season. Because if you listen to Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks on their podcast last week, they they gave about seven or eight different trade ideas for Buddy Heald, and it's pretty Mm -hmm. underwhelming stuff. Not not stuff you want to take back in terms of a Buddy Heald trade. So I think the Pacers, if that was, if they were just trying to get off Buddy, then that trade would have already happened. I think that they're like, okay, here's an expiring contract, a guy that's going to help us, you know, be in games this year, fits in well with our team, and at the same time, if we can just hold on a little bit longer, maybe we can come to a contract extension like they did with Miles last year. But at the same time, I think that if there is a bigger trade that presents itself, that's more likely where I think Buddy Hill is involved in a trade. Alex Golden with us here, setting the pace podcast at Alex Golden NBA. You want to follow him there? Uh, you know, you just said a couple seconds ago. You you know, you think this team's better than maybe what some believe. Uh, KB, you said you know similar things. You even think the Pacers think they might be better than what some people are giving them credit for. Alex, why do you feel that way? I just think there's too much depth on this team. You know, if you look at the bench of this Pacers roster, we don't know who it's going to be yet, but any combination that they have, you know, you're not having that big of a drop-off where a lot of teams do have that drop-off. So I think there is strength in numbers with this roster, and it's going to be hard making cuts in terms of a 10-man rotation because there's guys at the 11, 12, 13 spot on the rotation that could be getting minutes if they were on another team. So. I just feel like at this point the Pacers have the depth. They've got the leader in Tyrese, Miles Turner coming off a career year, Matherin, Andrew Nimhart stepping into their sophomore season, the additions of, of Bruce Brown and Obi Top, and I just feel like this is a very well-rounded team with a very smart head coach. It's, you know, the, the Pacers don't want to give expectations because they don't want to set themselves up to <laughs> right. you know for failure, right? I mean, but that's that's kind of smart. You say, well, we're not really sure what's going to happen, but. You know, I think that if you ask them <laughs> personally, they'd say, yeah, I think we have the talent to, to make the playoffs. So that's the ultimate goal. I, I think this young team needs to get some playoff experience, but I definitely think that there's a chance that they're for sure a playing team with the potential of maybe being a top six team and make the playoffs. Again, Alex Golden is with us. The Setting the Pace podcast must listen to for Pacers fans. And again, Alex with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Alex, I want to throw a couple names at you, and if you could define what you think their roles will be this season, that would be greatly appreciated. Let's start with Andrew Nemhard. 
Yeah, I, I think that coming into the season, he will more than likely be the backup point guard. But there is a guy that I think can finish a lot of games with the starting five, maybe if he's replacing somebody out there, because I think defensively he's too talented to keep off the court. So I think he might not start, but he'll finish a lot of games this year. But he does have starter-level potential, but I, I kind of envision him being more the team's backup point guard this year. Okay, and then how? what does that mean for T.J. McConnell? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is where it's tough because McConnell, I think he might be on the outside looking in for the 10-man rotation, but at the same time, he could play next to Nimhard because we saw Nimhard play off ball quite a bit. So I think that McConnell's right now, I, I think that the rumors were true about them having talks with Phoenix in New York for a three-team trade that would have sent T.J. to Phoenix. I think that they looked to maybe move him to a team that he would have got significant playing time and been on a good team. But at this point, you know, McConnell has always, you know, rised above the occasion in terms of outplaying where maybe you think he's going to be. So right now I think he's the third string point guard and the veteran leader, but he, he could push for minutes because he's a, he's a scrappy player that always seems to push guys to the side that maybe you thought would get a bigger role. Okay, last one on these individual roles. How about the World Cup gold medalist, <laughs> Daniel Tice? <laughs> Great question. I, I think that Tice, honestly, if this team's wanting to win right now and, and they think that they're going to be invested, I think he could make a lot of sense for their backup center to start the season out with. I know a lot of fans might be surprised to hear that, but with the experience that he has, the sacrifice he took last year to just play seven games when he returned from his injury, he's a he's a good enough player, and I think that if they want to win now, he, he's a better option than Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson. But um, if, if worse comes to worse, I would say he's probably uh, the third-string center. Maybe Jalen Smith gets the backup spot just because he's a little bit more similar to Miles. But I think that if you have a veteran second unit that, that, that they potentially could have, Daniel Tice makes a ton of sense as Miles' backup. Alex, who's the fifth starter? I feel like we know four of the five. Is it Obi Toppin? Uh, and I guess why or why not if it's not him? Yeah, I think if you were going to do a projected starting five, it probably Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton, Bruce Brown, Ben Matherin, Obi Toppin, and Miles Turner. And I think the reason why you start Obi Toppin is because Jairus Walker is a rookie, and it's a totally different game than college. And we know that last year the Pacers rookies really exceeded expectations, and there's, you know, you can't say that Jairus won't, but I think at this point it's better to bring him off the bench, similar to what they did with Matherin last year, and kind of let him learn the game at a slower pace, maybe with lesser competition against other teams' second units. But I think that. Jairus Walker brings everything that this team needs in terms of defense and toughness and rebounding and just a great feel for the game. So I, I just like Obi's fit a little bit better next to Miles in terms of, you know, Miles is an outside threat and that could allow for more opportunities for Obi Toppin. Whereas in New York, he never really had that center that could stretch the floor. Again, Alex Golden is with us, setting the pace. Uh, Pacers podcast must listen to, um, and he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Alex, uh, I think you and I share an immense amount of love for Benedict Matherin. Year two for him. I am super, super interested into the style of play we see from him. Uh, if you kind of had to pinpoint one area where you want to see growth for him, where would that be? Yeah, I mean, we had we had Benedict on our podcast Monday night, and I, I'll tell you what, this kid is a lot of fun to talk to. He's got so much confidence in himself. It's, it's a little bit of an arrogance, too, but I, I love that about him. 
I don't think offensively we have to worry about too much. I think the area I think he can improve the most is the defensive side of things. And he's athletic enough that I think more of it's just buying in and being more of a team defender. Um, if you watch his screen navigation, even in summer league, it was a little bit frustrating just to see him kind of get hung up in screens. And I think that we're not the Pacers aren't asking him to be a Drew Holiday type of defender, but I think they're asking him just to – you know, be a be a competent defender, and I think that you know he's he's got that in his game if he just really focuses on it. So, I, I think that if he continues to grow on the defensive side of things, it's only going to open up uh, what he can do for this Pacers team. And he talked about it on the podcast. He wants to be a two way player. He doesn't want to just be a one way player. So, the best way to do that is to drastically improve the defense. Anything else stand out to you from Chad Buchanan yesterday? Obviously, the Buddy Healed questions kind of dominated the early on stuff. But anything else to you stand out? I mean, not not necessarily. I think that what he talked about, he was on our podcast back in August, too, and I think what's interesting is the fact that they're not guaranteeing any starting spots besides Miles and, and Tyrese. I think that, you know, he said the ideas for Matherin to start. He might start out with the starters, but it's all going to be earned on the court, and I like that they're keeping that open. Um, I'm not I'm not opposed to them not giving a lot of expectations for this season as well, just kind of keeping it open-ended there. But at the same time, you would like to hear them be a little bit more confident about the guys they have on the team in terms of where they can finish at in the Eastern Conference. But I definitely did think that just how open the starting positions are, it could create a lot of fun storylines here at training camp. October 8th and 10th, then the 16th and the 20th. Those are the four preseason games for the Pacers on the road, the 8th and the 10th, at home, the 16th and the 20th, and then the season opens less than a month away, actually four weeks from today. That would be October 25th. Alex, looking forward to our conversations here as the season gets underway. I've enjoyed the offseason coverage and appreciate you hopping on. Absolutely, guys, anytime, and great to see you yesterday, KB.